Welcome to the Decent Crypto Podcast. Today is Sunday, August 6th, and we are live from Berlin. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm excited for this episode, which uh, we probably should have done two years ago, um, but we're doing it today. Um, better late than never. It's true. Uh, <laughs> better late than never. Where were we two years ago? Definitely not doing the podcast, but uh, where no, were we? I was working ago, we at were... BlackRock. Or Wait, no, what? I was working at Coinbase. You were working. You were not a <laughs> You were at <laughs> uh, You were at Marshall Waste. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Time. Yeah. yeah. But well, exactly two years ago to the day, we were definitely just drinking. <laughs> yes, yes. I had just moved to New York. First summer in New York. What a good time. We were probably yeah. just like still recovering from a rave we had gone to the the evening before. If it yeah. was a Sunday, realistically, Would have been about, yeah, one p.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Eating leftover Taco Bell, good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Oh, terrific. Um, I know, I know. But here we are. Curve almost died, and yeah. um, now since it's still alive, it's a good time to do the deep dive. Yeah. So if it's still here, if it's still here, you know, it's probably coming back. Somebody told me this. Somebody told me this about a uh, meme coin. They were like, if it survives one week, I'm buying. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's actually such a good a strategy. Coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why my entire net worth is in MOG right now. Um, but uh, meme coins aside, that's not what we're here to talk about. It's the Curve episode, and Matt, I think we should start where we always start. Why does this exist? Why does Curve exist? Good question. I legitimately um, don't know. You know, I'm not. I'm not smart enough to have conceived of such an idea. I don't know what money markets are. I'm a <laughs> uh, small brain fellow who's just watching the price of Curve go down, wondering if this guy will look, get liquidated, have to sell his houses. Um, so I guess you're more suited to answer this question. Why does curve exist? So, so curve curve is a stable swap protocol, right? Um, so if you, if we rewind the clock a couple of years, um, or three ish years, three and a bit, um, to January of 2020, 2020, mm-hmm. 2019, um, yeah, 2020, 2020, um, at that point, the live app for swapping tokens for other tokens was Uniswap, right? And Mm -hmm. Uniswap follows this model called X times Y equals K, where the number of Mm -hmm. tokens of each of the tokens in a pool, um, when you multiply them, they reach a constant product of K. Um, The thing about constant product like AMM curves is that like they tend to move the price when you buy or sell them, right? Like that's kind of the point, right? so you put in some ETH, you get some USDC out, and then the price changes pretty substantially depending on you know how much you're trading relative to the total liquidity in the pool. Um, this doesn't work very well for stable coins, right? Stable coins, you kind of want them to always have like a pretty similar value to each other, regardless of how many USDC or USDT or DAI or whatever are sitting in a given pool. Um, yeah. Enter Curve. So Curve is like a stable swap protocol right um and it you know generally like the primary use cases for stable coins usdc usdt die but you can also use it for other sorts of things right for example if you have bridged assets or wrapped assets right um you can have staked assets so for like for lido staked eth the best place to swap it for eth creating minimum like market impact is on curve so it's basically mm. anywhere that you want to have a, like an AMM that mm-hmm. has less slippage or less like price movement as a result of trades than Uniswap. That's sort of how I see so, Curve. Okay. So just at a very high level, like going back to the original question, like why does this need to exist? Like, you know, if you're just thinking about it uh, at a, like just broad strokes, Right. Um, now we know this isn't the the case in reality, but you know, 
theoretically, like anybody should be able to redeem USDT for dollars at any time they want. That's kind of a one-to-one peg. Anybody should be able to redeem USDC for USD. Um, so that's a one-to-one peg. Um, in Anyone theory, should be able to make die or redeem die yeah. for $1 worth of collateral, exactly. right? Um, right. And so that to me, those are all three of those are backed one to one. At least die is backed even more than one to one. So, um, like I, I'm still not fully understand. I know there are like broad, you know, there are like kind of deeper reasons to to have this kind of thing around like liquidity and all this kind of stuff. But like, just at a very high level, like still, like why exactly do you even need that kind of mechanism to make sure that everything is trading at par? Like wouldn't the market yeah. just kind of take care of this or like is curve that market? Like, um, so effectively, you know, if you think about stable coins, right, stable coins are most useful on chain, right? Um, they're kind of in the periphery that, or, 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 you know, on like decentralized exchanges that only base things in stable coins like Binance. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but you're not really interacting much with USDT and USDC on Coinbase or on FTX, right. Or on Kraken, right. Well, you're, definitely primarily not on FTX. <laughs> you're primarily interacting directly with USD and the crypto asset that you want to like buy or sell against it. Right. Um, okay, yeah. but if you think about DeFi and you think about on-chain uses for these sorts of things, like sometimes it's more useful to have USDT than it is to have USDC. For example, if you're you know, wiring money to a friend in Argentina, USDT might be seen as like a stronger form of collateral there because mm. it's just got more history, right? Mm. Um, whereas or, if you're yeah, yeah. someone in the US, right, you know, you people might trust Circle more, right? And so you, you might you might want to have USDC there, but also within yeah. protocols themselves, right? So yeah, yeah. think about uh, you know if you and I are launching like a shitcoin, right? Um, and we want to have it like priced in stables on the Uniswap pool, um, we're gonna pick either USDT or USDC, and like that's that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so, that's, that's one very clear example, I think, is like if you basically try to do any transactions on Uniswap, you'll see all the different pools that you can possibly be trading with or trading like within. And you'll see that there's way more liquidity in certain pairs. And usually the ETH or wrapped ETH pair is the most liquid, but many times the stablecoin pair is more liquid or, you know, more liquid than another random pair. And so, yeah, if you wanted to get in and out of some random uh, shitcoin or, you know, whatever, you want to make some kind of exchange, you might want the stable coin that has uh, or, or that's used as the main liquidity source for that pair. And so that you might want to move in and out of one stable and into the other, what have you. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, maybe we can make this real with like an example. So like, let's say, let's say I'm on Tron, right? And I have a whole bunch of TRX, but uh, I want to swap that for ETH. Well, I have a couple of options. I can either go off chain, send my Tron to a centralized exchange, sell it for dollars, use the dollars to buy ETH, um, or I can bridge my uh, I can I can sell my Tron directly on chain for USDT because most of the stablecoin supply on Tron is USDT. So I swap TRX for USDT. I bridge the USDT over to ETH. And then I ha- now I have USDT and I want to buy ETH with it. Well, most of the liquidity, like by far the most liquid pair in all of Uniswap is USDC ETH, right? Um, but for USDT, I first have to go through a USDT USDC exchange of some kind. And back in the day when Curve was created, it was much, much more capital efficient, much lower slippage to do it through Curve, which has this like stable pricing model versus doing it through Uniswap. Um, so the idea is like, sometimes you're in a place where you have USDT, but not USDC. Sometimes you're in a place where you have DAI, but no USDT. Um, and just the idea of being able to like swap, like for like assets, you know, maybe I have one kind of wrapped Bitcoin, I have BitGo wrapped Bitcoin, and then I have FTX wrapped Bitcoin and I want to swap those for each other. Um, that, that creates like a use case more broadly, right? So it's, it's all about like being able to swap in and out of whatever asset that should roughly have the same value. Um, and most of the time you would do that because downstream liquidity is better for the asset that you're swapping into. 
That makes sense, yeah. Um, okay, so I guess... Have we answered the question about why this exists? Yeah, it, it, um, or it is exists, there more to it? It exists because sometimes you need to swap an asset for another asset that should be similarly priced. Um, mm -hmm. But but if you just followed the Uniswap approach, your pricing would be way out of whack. That's basically yeah. why this exists. Um, okay, and this and... Would, look, this exists because Uniswap was in like V one when it came out when Curve came out. Mm -hmm. Right today, you could yeah. very much have a much better setup on Uni V three. I would argue than Curve. But for legacy mm. reasons, so much of the stablecoin liquidity is still on curve that, you know, mm. it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, to also like draw some parallels to the real world, like what kind of markets in the real world kind of, is this like kind of comparable to Forex markets in a way where you kind of have, you know, a peg, but you need to have some kind of. I don't know, like a money market or whatever to actually make sure that the peg stays or, and you have kind of these, I don't know, bigger players who will arbitrage anytime it gets out of whack or like, is there, are there comp, comps in the real world that, um, you know, you can kind of point to as to like what curve is doing and, and yeah, like, yeah, I, I, don't know. I, mean, I don't even know if that question makes sense. It's, it's a good question. Um, the closest way that or the closest parallel that i can think of right is um uh it's probably in like the at least in the stock market it would be with like adrs where you have like a share of like tesla and that can get listed say in like a uk stock exchange or something um and so these assets are basically like for like but they but they might trade at slightly different prices right um and so you could have an OTC market maker that comes in and says, look, these are basically the same. So you send me one, you pay a little fee, I'll send you the other. That's kind of what Curve is like. Mm. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So let's get into how Curve actually works. So you mentioned Uniswap. You mentioned the you know XY equals K model. Um, that's how general liquidity pools work on Uniswap. Um, so what does Curve do that is different um, in this situation? So um, so effectively, Curve just follows like a different like pricing curve as you swap one asset for another one, right? Um, I, I think that's probably like the simplest way of doing it. There's a whole bunch of math involved, but... Um, that's sort of like the the bare bones idea behind curve is that like the swap happens at like a stable pricing um so okay. i think i think we've kind of like laid that out right um yeah. where it gets interesting is with the crv token mm, interesting okay wait real quick though before we move on like how does it actually ensure the pricing stays stable like i know there's a lot of complex math there's like these like like curve itself stands for uh, like price curves or like what, what is, what does the curve like name even like stand for? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, it, it effectively, okay. So if you think about Uniswap, right? Like, and you sort of picture like the way that like the, the pricing curve works on Uniswap, you have this like X, Y yeah. axis of yeah, number yeah. of token A or number of token X, number of token Y. And as you deposit more tokens into the pool to swap, it sort of follows this like parabolic looking thing um, where like, in order to get like the last ETH out of the ETH USDC pool, you have to spend a lot more than the ETH before it, right? So as um, as people start to trade in and out of whatever given pool, their pricing becomes exponentially worse with each marginal um, like unit that that's taken out that's traded. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... So it's just, if you so if you think about that pricing curve, right? On curve itself, the curve is much flatter. Right, I it's see. no longer this like parabolic like thing. It's a much flatter sort of approach. Just yeah, at like yeah, a very yeah. high level. Okay. That, that's how I think about it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the curve token. So, 
actually, let's restart the episode with the curve token. Why does the curve token exist? Now that's where that's where I think it gets really interesting and kind of funny. So um, mm-hmm. the curve token, um, like if you think about curve, right? Um, all it exists to facilitate is swapping from one kind of asset to another, right? And mm-hmm. the more liquidity you have in any given pool, the better pricing swappers will get. Um, and so if you're like a protocol, like let's say we start a new stablecoin, right? Um, mm-hmm. We need to somehow find a way of bootstrapping liquidity for that relative to the other stablecoins. So let's call it decent decent USD, DUSD, right? Yeah. Um, so you and I start DUSD. And we need some kind of way of making people provide liquidity between DUSD and USDC, USDT, GAI, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, because if you don't have that, then our you know stable becomes effectively useless, right? Without that liquidity, you're going to have like such a haircut on any transaction you try to get done denominated in DUSD that it, you just might as well not use it at all. So if you and I come up with our like super smart, like algorithmic stable idea, we need to find a way to like seed that liquidity initially. Um, that's where the CRV token comes in. So the CRV token is sort of this like um, emissions based token where uh, it's a little bit like Bitcoin where every like year or whatever, um, the amount of emissions drops um, until finally it stops producing new CRV in 2040. Right. Um, so the initial supply was like a very small percent of it. it. Some of it went to the founders, some of it went to like investors, whatever. Um, but most of it is being generated through this like supply fire hose, right? We call it the gauge, right? Um, and the question is, okay, we want to incentivize people to provide liquidity on Curve versus Uniswap. We want to incentivize people to provide liquidity to our Curve pool, the decent Curve pool relative to like the USDC, USDT curve pool or the three pool, USDC, USDT and DAI. Um, yeah. We need some way to like make those incentives happen. And so what the yeah. gauge is, is um, it's a way for curve holders to vote on where the newly emitted curve goes, right? Okay. So think about, think about that, right? If I have CRV, what that gets me is the right to vote on where the newly minted CRV goes. Okay. And it can go so, to any to liquidity providers on any of these pools. Okay, gotcha. And the you mentioned a couple um, different types of pools, right? So they have, there's like two, you know, there's pools with just two assets. And then there's also tri-party pools or tri-asset pools, like, so um, if there's three assets, how, how, does, how exactly does that work? It's just two curves. <laughs> oh, okay, um, I see. You know, okay. Yeah, it, it's effectively, I mean, if you think about the generalized problem, like Balancer kind of works this way too, right? Where you can have like multiple pools uh, or like multi-asset pools and it handles the pricing of each of those things relative to every other thing in the pool. So it takes the problem from like a two-dimensional like X, Y to like an X, Y, Z, uh, but it's effectively mm-hmm. the same math being used throughout, okay. right? Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And Balancer so has like if a you're a curve holder. Paper where they explain this, where basically like the pricing on, if I'm trying to sell USDT into the USDC DAI pool, um, it will, uh, it'll basically price it for me based on the like partial derivative, right? Of like, uh, like throwback time uh, of like D D USDT over like D D USDC and D USDT over D die, um, and uh, it effectively prices it for you in in those you know one at a time with each of those assets. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, the more the more we talk about this, the more I realize how little or yeah how little my brain is. And uh, also like that, the fact that this is quite useful. Um, <laughs> yeah, big, big uh, hot take mm-hmm. here. Curve is useful. Okay, so if you are a token holder of Curve, you get to determine where new Curve emissions get directed to, which liquidity pools they go to. 
Um, and that's that's called the gauge. Is it, so the gauge is basically the flow of new tokens, or is it like the like yeah? It's basically just the determining factor. It's the breakdown of yeah, what percent of new tokens go to what pools. Okay. Um, and, and so it's not it's not like a vote in like a majority rules vote. It's like a pro rata vote. Um, okay. So, so if like sixty percent of people want to push the um curve emissions to the usdt usdc pool then 60 percent go there and then the rest go to however the percentages are split up yeah exactly it's just allocated okay. according to to votes um okay now there's uh there's a key component here though which is called uh locking so um so your curve tokens you can lock them for um a certain period of time uh, up to four years right um and depending on how long you lock them for, you get like boosters, you get like multipliers on how many tokens will you, you get to direct the emission of, right? So your vote counts for more if you have your, your CRV tokens locked for a longer period of time. Um, so it sounds kind of Ponzi-esque, right? Mm -hmm. At surface level, which is like, okay, so the, the curve token is like, the net present value of future curve emissions. Um, and the whole thing is priced in curve, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it leads to this model where like when curve prices are going up, the value of a curve token becomes even more valuable because it represents even more dollars worth of token that you get to control the emission of going forward. Um, but when prices are going down, the value of a curve token basically goes down accordingly. Um, it's kind because, of like an exponential factor on the value of curve tokens. Yeah, exactly. So like if each curve token today represents, you know, a uh, hundred curve tokens in the future, um, you know, uh, it, you, you can kind of see where like the, the multiplier effect comes in. Um, so very, very uh, convex token model here. Right, where um, it's literally just like a curve token represents future curve tokens, um, and uh, and so you know, I wouldn't say that's the strongest tokenomics here. Right, it doesn't represent a claim on cash flows. It doesn't represent a claim on fees. It represents future curve emissions, um, and so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, one other thing that I think we should discuss, though, when, when we talk about the gauge is bribing. Um, because like everything in crypto, it's all financial incentives um, with, uh, with no morals. And so bribes become a thing. Um, and now Curve, I think, was actually pretty innovative in having bribing sort of like directly as part of the tokenomic model. So let's go back to our example where we have decent USD. Um, we might not own any curve tokens, so we can't just like buy them, lock, or you know, we can't take them, lock them, and use them to vote directly. Instead, what we can do though is bribe curve voters to direct emissions to our pool. Um, at, for like you know, each each curve season is like one week at a time. So we go in and we say, look, if you vote for our pool, you'll get this many decent DAO tokens, right? As like an incentive to like vote for our pool. Um, and then the, with bribery, you in a, in a truly efficient market, like you would just kind of get like a one-to-one -one outcome here. But a lot of times the markets are not priced efficiently. A lot of times the newly emitted curve um, that you can direct with, a, with say, $1,000 worth of voting is worth more than $1,000. So you have something called like the bribe multiplier, um, mm. and it can actually become quite powerful. So um, you know, depending on the time, you can get anywhere from 10 to 50% better return on, you know, token emission uh, by bribing the curve pool uh, or bribing the curve gauge voters um, rather than uh, rather than sending those emissions directly. Because the other option would be like, we could also just emit our decent token to people that are providing liquidity for decent USD and, um, you know, die or whatever. Right, mm. like we could just airdrop those tokens to people that are LPing there. Yeah, um, but yeah. we might get better ROI by airdropping them to vote people that are voting on the curve gauge. Um, depending on like the price of curve, that can actually be a better R ROI for a DAO. 
Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so how does that bribe mechanism actually work? Um, there's a few different ways. There's there's like straight up bribe protocols. Uh, there's one called Hidden Hand that works really well. Um, but generally what people wind up doing is instead bribing convex. So convex is like another piece of like this ecosystem where basically it's always better to have your curve locked for four years. You always want your curve to be locked for the maximum because that's like the the best value for your token, right? Yeah. You get to you get to control the gauge much heavier if your tokens are locked. Okay. So um, someone got this bright idea of like, you know what? All of the curve tokens should basically be locked for four years and we should have another yeah. like proxy token that represents mm. ownership of four-year locked curve. Um, mm. And that's where convex finance comes in. So convex is by far the largest holder of CRV, right? Um, and convex has like functionality built directly into it to allow for bribing. Um, and so um, so as a, as a CRV holder, I can deposit my CRV to convex who in turn will go and lock it, right? And part of part of this is just gas efficiency, right? It's just like, it's just cheaper to take everybody's CRV and lock it up at the same time and, you know, roll new emissions over into, into a four-year locked curve. Um, and in exchange, what you get is CVX CRV, right? Which is convex curve, which represents an ownership in the pool of four-year locked curve tokens. Um, okay. And so in practice, what people wind up doing is, is basically just going for that, right? Um, because okay. convex, Convex's ownership of Curve is so large that you might as well just bribe them. Okay, I see. And um, like how, like, are you able to have any kind of control over what Convex does um, in terms of where they choose to, you know, direct their portion of emissions? Like how, how do you have... Uh, a say in like if you own convex tokens right or you own convex curve you basically just get to vote in the same way that you would if you were a curve token holder yeah you get your pro rata like share of the vote and so you have another okay. sort of market here where like in the you know in an efficient market each convex crv would be priced the same as one crv but a lot of times it's not because you have this like for your lock right and so what it should really be priced as is the, the fair value of four-year locked curve, which should be higher. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. Um, but when, when prices are going down, you get like a liquidity discount. Um, yeah. And so sometimes it trades at like a lower multiple. Okay, I see. Um, and just uh, out of curiosity, what is the like... What is the difference in your kind of like multiplier, right? If you lock up your tokens for four years versus if they're just liquid tokens, is there like a big difference there? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, it, it's pretty big. So um, your your like incentive can be you can you can get a boost of up to two point five x. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty substantial, right? And um, and this is, I think, part of the reason why, like, if you look today, right, like there's there's a not a lot of liquidity for Curve on chain or off chain. And a big part of the reason why is it's just so much better to hold it. Like if the value of Curve is to vote on the gauge and you get 2.5 times that value by locking it, then like the incentive is naturally to lock it as long as you have tolerance for the price fluctuation along the way. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. That makes sense. So, so it sort of creates this like very illiquid market for the CRV tokens themselves. Mm. Okay. So then like, so these, this kind of tokenomic structure, is this what people talk about when they say like the VE token or is that? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. You call it um, vote escrow, vote escrowed curve, VE curve. Um, okay. And this was like, this was kind of like uh, a popular concept, uh, I'd say during like the DeFi 2.0 days, especially during like late 2021, um, when like everybody and their mother was like, oh, this is a great way of getting people to do something with the tokens that's not selling them, right? Mm -hmm. they, I can get people to lock them. It's a little bit like staking, right? Yeah. Um, when, you know, not in the sense of like staking and you can get slashed and all like proof of stake staking, but it's actually just like locking up your tokens for some period of time. 
Okay. And so in the short run, it creates like a better price for your token because you just have fewer like potential sellers. Um, but in the long run, it doesn't really do anything. I see. Um, and I, I know like at that time, the DeFi 2.0 time, basically everybody was implementing this VE uh, token mechanism. Is that still a thing or is it mostly like those tokens died and like Curve is the is one of the last ones standing that still yeah. follows this model or how does that, yeah, how does that look you, now? I mean, you don't really hear as much about it anymore, right? Um, because it is like a pretty, like, it's like putting a speed bump on your token price, right? It's like not everybody can sell all at the same time, but in however many weeks or years or whatever, um, the natural sellers will just sell, right? Um, so I think like the slightly worse version of VE is like token staking, right? Like where you lock up your tokens, you don't even lock them up, right? But it's like uh, Orca did this, right? The the decks on Solana, yeah. where you would take your Orca tokens, you would stake them, and get emissions of newly minted Orca token as a result. And so, if you're gonna hold those tokens, like you might as well stake them, right? Because otherwise, you're getting diluted away. Um, but uh, you know, with with staking and unstaking, a lot of times the the speed bump is on the order of a day. Um, or a week or whatever in order to like earn your your yield. Um, whereas with vote escrowing, like a lot of times it's closer to like years. Um, mm. And I think that's one thing that Curve did really well is they rolled out this like super long-term vote escrow thing back when the token was worth quite a bit. And so mm. a lot of people were incentivized to lock it up. Okay. Um, and is there like, is there a secondary market for VE curve? Um, you know, I, like in the end it's a token, right? Like it is locked up, but it's still a token. Like, is there kind of, uh, you know, any kind of secondary market for this? It's like trades at a lower price or something like that. Or, um, I mean, I, I don't like, think do... the ERV is transferable. I see. Okay. I guess Which more is what what better I was... with like a DAO model, like convex, right? Mm, okay that makes sense yeah um, uh the the closest thing you get to a secondary market is the bribing system where effectively the bribing system is telling you what the market believes the fair value of vote escrow crv is for the following week right um and so when people start to bribe people going into like the gauge vote um they're basically telling you what they think the 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 ownership of that token over the next week will be worth. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So it is very Ponzi like in the tokenomics, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So th this leads, this leads me to my hot take, right? Which okay. is, um, for me, this has always bothered me. I've always thought that like curve is just a hyperinflationary token that should be down only that there should be literally zero fundamental value for curve. And I can't believe this thing didn't already collapse by now. Right. Um, but there are two kind of counterpoints and the counterpoints are the hot take. The, okay. the first counterpoint is that by rolling out a multi-year like vote escrow locking mechanism, you can effectively buffer your protocol from dying that quick death of zero fundamental value at least for a few years to the point where like maybe if everything comes back and especially given that like this token is so illiquid if everything comes back and things start pumping again you know people are just going to buy curve just to get exposure to DeFi broadly right yeah. it's part of the DeFi yeah. pulse index which is like kind of garbage um it's part, it's part of like the the DeFi like it's one of the largest DeFi protocols right um by market cap yeah. um and so people are going to buy it it is going to go up in value at some point um and at that point like the willing sellers will finally be starting to like get unlocked right mm. um yeah, but they, yeah. might, they might choose to relock uh, as a result right uh. you also have this just like mechanical dao approach which is that like convex effectively is required to restake that curve there is no like um there's no like decision to be made there right it's just like that's what happens to curve once it's deposited into convex it gets locked and relocked for the maximum and so um 
that as a result ensures that at least like a large proportion of these tokens are going to be locked in for the foreseeable future. Um, okay, see, that's interesting because I had just assumed like after four years, there's just going to be a massive unlock. But as long as the protocol keeps having uh, utility to people, they'll keep locking it up. I mean, if the gauge is especially, if the multiplier is that much higher, if you do lock them up for the maximum, then it really just comes down to user demand, right? If people keep using Curve, they want to, you know, drive the rewards towards the liquidity pools that matter to them, it makes sense that they'll keep locking up the token. And as long as the demand is there, then yeah, the token should keep going up um, yeah. on a long enough time scale. Yeah. Um, or like at least it's buffered from going to zero. Um, yeah, yeah. Which a lot of like more Ponzi esque tokenomic models, like they don't have any kind of like protocol built on top of them that, that allows mm. for that. Now, yeah. the question that you might ask is, well, why not? Right. And mm-hmm. so imagine I created like a convex that's very similar to convex, but for, I don't know, Harry Potter, Sonic, Obama, Inu. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, look, yeah, Harry Potter, Osama, Obama, Inu, Dao decides that it's going to have vote escrowing for newly emitted Harry Potter, Sonic, Obama, Sonic, Inu. We'll right? just call it Bitcoin. We'll call it Bitcoin, um, as the ticker is. The ticker is um, Bitcoin. Um, okay. Yeah, BTC is a different thing. Bitcoin <laughs> is Harry Potter, Sonic, Harry, Obama, Harry Potter, Sonic, Obama, Sonic, 10 Inu. Ten <laughs> the Inu. greatest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, the second so, greatest meme coin. Yeah, like let's say let's say the Bitcoin DAO decides that um, it's going to emit new Bitcoin uh, at a rate of I don't know fifty percent a year or something um, for one year and then twenty five percent the next year and twelve point five percent the year after and you're going to be able to control the recipients of this new token supply um, by locking up your existing Bitcoin for at least like you know, a month and then at most four years. And for four years, you get a 2.5x bump on your ROI there. Um, Mm -hmm. And somebody came along and was like, look, I've seen this one before. Uh, Every Bitcoin should be locked for the maximum number of years. And so I'm going to create convex for Bitcoin, right? Um, That like requires like a very large logical jump in like, I think this thing is worth anything, right? Um, and so, for example, like even even though like the underlying curve protocol has value, right? And initially people were buying curve to like direct the curve emission so that like you could incentivize liquidity on a curve pool. There's no reason why Bitcoin DAO couldn't just do that for curve pools. Right. Yeah. Or like any other meme coin could just do that for for curve pulls. Right. And and so as long as the market cap of Bitcoin is sufficiently high that it's worth it for people to buy that token and use it to direct new emissions, um, then like it it would work in precisely the same way as curve works. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. Um, So this is why my point earlier is like all about user demand, right? Like if people keep valuing, well, yeah, not only the curve protocol, but the emissions of the curve token, if they actually care about that, um, then the price should keep going up. Yeah, Um, because you could literally replace CRV here with Bitcoin and the whole thing would work the same. Yeah. Um, As Hmm. long as the market cap of Bitcoin is high enough and there are enough people bullish enough on it. Um, and so this brings me to the hot take, right? Which is that these are trash tokenomics. Like this is hot garbage, right? Um, like it's really bad, but it was established at a time when the numbers were going up and it reached a sufficiently high market cap that the newly emitted CRV was not enough to like depress the price of CRV enough um, to make it dump to zero, right? Um, And so if you launch shitty tokenomics with uh, some kind of locking mechanism that gets you 
through past the time when your token is going to be the least valuable, you stand a fucking chance, right? Even mm -hmm. if it's just like the most garbage Ponzi nomics any of us has ever seen, right? So it's like, uh, it's enormously frustrating for someone trying to like analyze this at a, from a fundamentals perspective, because you're like, what is the value of curve? Uh, it's just future curve. This is just like an inflationary token. The value should be zero, right? Um, like the protocol works just as well without without the token. You could use any other token to incentivize this stuff. And if you're not bribing curve voters, right, like you basically are doing that, right? So if you and I are bribing the people providing liquidity on the DUSD pool using our decent token, like uh, you're basically doing the same thing, but just completely circumventing CRV, the token itself. Um, yeah. And so like... From a fundamental perspective, it's like clearly this thing has no value, and like I I want to short it, right? But um, if the market cap of your token gets big enough, and the price action is bullish enough to in, to induce people to lock up their tokens, um, and the token lock period is long enough, then you just kind of meme your way past escape velocity. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you can kind of you can point to examples, or you can point to the opposite as well, like Jewel. Um, you know, like DeFi Kingdoms, right? Jewel, ho horrible, like similar tokenomics, right? Where it's just mass emissions going on. They also had some kind of locking mechanism, um, but yeah, you're right. I don't. They just never got to escape velocity. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's close to zero now. Um, but curve is yeah, not the that. The challenge with have... is it unlocked a year in, right? It, it was a one-year lock rather than a four-year lock. Yeah. 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 That's true also. Um, yeah. Okay. And also, yeah, curve, the thing is they still have continuous demand, right? For the protocol itself. And so inherently people trust curve there's a lot of liquidity in there already there is continuous demand for it and yeah it could go down 80 percent or 90 percent but it's still worth whatever a few billion dollars in market cap and it's not gone to zero and at this point it's going to be around i mean it had a massive massive hiccup or whatever you want to call it the last few weeks but it's still it's still surviving and yeah, like at this point like you kind of can see it almost like going into perpetuity the way it exists now right like i mean we can talk about uniswap v3 and like the stuff that that solves um but i think that's yeah i mean i kind of agree with your point so okay let's let's just get into it then like what exactly does uniswap v3 do that can uh, challenge curve or I don't know, make it less relevant. Um, and, yeah. and then we'll get um, into so like what like, just happened. Yeah. Like, like uni V3, it allows for something called concentrated liquidity, right? So I can basically specify that I'm willing to buy up to a hundred ETH at a certain price for with, with USDC. And I'm willing to sell a hundred ETH at a certain price for USDC. And so mm. what it does is it creates much deeper liquidity around the, the bid ask, right? Mm -hmm. Around the like current price. Um, yeah, yeah. And in practice, what that does is it moves the price less for any given trade. Yeah. Um, just it, it effectively approaches or, you know, it, it solves the same problem as curve solves, right? Which is just trying to make it so that market impact is less impactful um, in an AMM, right? Mm. Uh, Obviously, UniV3, the UX is terrible. You have to think way harder about, you know, what kinds of like pricing you want to provide. It's easy with stable coins. You'll be like, look, I'm willing to buy a thousand tether for 999.99 USDC. And then I'm willing to do the opposite. I'm willing to buy a thousand USDC for 999.99 tether. Um, and like that's, those are my limit orders. It's like really easy to express the exact same set of preferences on UniV3 versus on Curve. Um, but but I, I think like 
you know, and this is where it becomes interesting is like, you could imagine like the, the way that curve functions is it has these pools and then it has this like token slash emissions like uh, setup. And these are effectively two different protocols, right? One of them is for the swapping of tokens and the other one is for the incentivization of liquidity provision. And like, they could be different things, right? So you could bolt on a clone of Curve, call it Curve 2, right? Um, and as long as like the market cap of that is sufficiently high, it can also be used to incentivize liquidity provisioning on any of the pool, any of the Curve pools. Mm. Or, and this is why I go with the, you know, you could do it with Pepe, right? You could have a Pepe LP uh, like incentivization scheme where uh, it like it's a highly inflationary token, and I mean it's not, but you know Pepe 2.0 could be something like this, right? Um, any token could be that token, but it needs to have enough demand, right? It needs that flywheel of like when because when newly emitted CRV gets created, a lot of it does get locked straight back into four-year VECRV, right? Um, that's that's the number one thing is that like there is still enough uh like user demand for or there's still enough people that believe in crv and they believe that the asset is undervalued that they're not going to just like dump it immediately if we tried to do this with bitcoin or pepe or whatever people would probably just dump that token immediately right uh when the lps get get that reward or when the crv like voters get the bribe right um with Curve, like you have to have enough people that like believe in it um, enough that they're just trying to accumulate more CRV. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, like, d- does that make sense? Like, they're they're effectively two protocols. Yeah. Wait how how are they two? Like uh, like I guess like can you explain that a little more? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So. You have your pools, right? And those exist for like stable swaps of like any yeah, things, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have some other protocol that strictly exists to incentivize liquidity. Okay, like that's yeah, its okay, whole goal, okay, gotcha. right? Yeah. Um, mm. And it's associated only in name with the actual pools. Okay. Um, so it's really just a proxy. It's not even, a, it's almost like a derivative. It's like a. Uh, not like a derivative, but it's like a, uh, I don't know, it's just like a secondary thing that's only concerned with the curve token itself and where to direct that. Um, And not with the base protocol itself. I mean, it obviously interacts with the, with the, you know, OG curve protocol, but it drops, I mean, it drops tokens to people that are staking there, but you and I could, could create our own DAO that does that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just that nobody would have this reference point of our tokens being worth anything. Like we could create our own liquidity incentivization protocol that works exactly the same way that Curve does, that interacts with all of the same Curve pools, and it would be like just as linked to Curve as this one is, except hmm. for the name. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The, um... the challenge. The challenge is in getting like Curve is a. Curve is a piece of history, right? It was like, it, it was created at a moment in time when like all the tokens were going to go up, right? Um, and so, and, and especially like DeFi related tokens, right? Yeah. Curve could never have been created today. Everyone would have been like, this is a fucking Ponzi. I'm selling it to zero the same way they did with Jewel, right? Yeah. Um, you, you needed though at the time for people to be like, wow, this is the future. Look at the fucking, the TVL on curve is I think higher than anything else. Right. Um, and you needed people to be in that mindset of like, I think this thing is worth something in order for any of this to work. Huh? Interesting. Okay. So that leads to our other main question. Matt, bullish or bearish curve? I mean, I'm I'm enormously bearish curve, right? Mm. It, um, it has so okay. So what has curve done? What has curve changed? Right. Uh, the first is they they've launched a stablecoin, CRV USD. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people are talking about, they could do, you know, other currencies as well. They could have CRV JPY, CRV EUR, um, and you could do like foreign exchange transactions on chain with like low slippage to, to kind of, kind of to your point about like, what, what does this mimic in the real world? Well, in the real world, like foreign exchange markets are some of the like deepest liquidity markets in, in the world. Um, and the notional traded there is like insanely high on a, on a given day. Um, and the slippage is relatively small, right? Um, so, uh, if you're executing like a bulk, like us dollar, you know, JPY trade, um, the slippage you eat on that is basis points, right? Um, mm. single digit basis points. Yeah. Even though like you might be trading like an enormous amount of these currencies. So, um, a lot of people have pointed to that as like a, a potential growth area, but you don't have nearly the same level of flexibility as you have with something like Aave, right? Where you can have like Aave USD, which is called Go GHO, um, and that can be minted from any combination of assets that are supported by the DAO, right? Um, it's effectively like multi-asset maker, whereas like maker you can only mint from ETH and USDC. Um, with uh with go you can mint it from a whole bunch of things um crv usd like it is kind of like neither neither here nor there right it's like imagine you have die but you can only mint it from usd usdc right mm-hmm. um not to mention like how how they're how are they going to get like euro denominated like you know collateral in order to issue this thing so um so, you know, first of all, the protocol itself is just like so much worse than Uniswap, right? And like, if we, if we go back to like, why does this exist? Like a lot of it is because one stablecoin or another will be more or less liquid on Uniswap and like mm. for whatever pair yeah. they're trying to trade, right? Mm-hmm. So you might as well just use Uniswap all the way through. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, when you describe Uni V3 to me, it's like, First of all, most people like myself are never going to touch Curve, right? Like it's uh, like we're not going to ever use the protocol. I mean, right? the UX like, sucks. Just, yeah, and we just yeah, it's really bad. Um, but also we just kind of trust that it, at some point we'll be able to trade USDC for USDT if we really want to. And so the people that are actually going to be using Curve are like very big players, you know who uh are actually going to get something from the lp or they're uh you know they're also big curve token holders um it's basically larger players in the market that are going to be actually interacting with curve or in the future with uni v3 and so they don't actually care about the sophistication they're sophisticated actors as it is right so um i am fully with you that i think most of the liquidity does get uh, consolidated into uni v3 um i also think that some of this stuff recently is like concerning to a lot of people with um the fact that curve was using this like viper thing like i don't think that's a huge concern but the fact that the token is like being used as collateral for a lot of random things by the founder, including like his own personal purchases, it seems possibly. Um, That's probably concerning. And the fact that his holdings could create such a cascade in the curve price, which then leads to all these other effects, like you not being as incentivized to actually lock it up for many years because you don't know what the price will be in the future. Um, which also then leads to less of a less demand. Like it's an exponential thing, like we talked about, which leads to less demand for the curve token itself um, because you don't really care as much about, you know, where, like, it's just like a a downward kind of spiral. Um, So yeah, that is quite bearish uh, to me as well. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because this bribery coefficient we talked about, um, where it can be above one, where you get like more than one dollars worth of, you know, for your money by bribing CRV voters rather than by, you know, just directly airdropping your token to whichever LPs. That can also be less than one, 
right? So you can hit mm. a point where like the price of CRV is so low, the newly emitted curve is so meaningless that you might as well just airdrop your token to the LPs rather than airdropping it to the CRV gauge voters. Do, mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and like in, in that scenario, you would effectively be doing what I suggested, which is like creating another LP incentivization structure that doesn't, that just completely bypasses CRV entirely. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, both bearish uh, on current yeah. long term. Um, how, yeah. You got anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think, I think the big thing that I learned from like really digging deep on this in terms of like the tokenomics is just that like in, you know, it's always beneficial to be open-minded in crypto and like to not like assume that just because something's a Ponzi doesn't mean it won't work. Um, but most Ponzi's fail, right? Um, and most like highly convex tokenomic models will also fail. Um, but if they can reach escape velocity, they might just work. Right. Um, and, and I think curve is like the prime example of that where like on its own legs, like this token should be worth nothing. Right. But it just sort of like locked in, um, like, uh, a Ponzi-nomic model during a time when the token was worth something. And that in and of itself can be enough. For how long? Like, how long do you think that lasts? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, y- you know, the other thing is, like, people talk a lot about um, incentivizing liquidity, but for like, for a new stable coin, right? Like it's not like incentivizing liquidity on a curve pool is only one half of the equation, right? You also have to be like somehow incentivizing people to use it or hold it in some way, right? Um, and so I think this is where like die really, or sorry, UST really struggled is like, they were kind of incentivizing the curve liquidity. They were kind of incentivizing liquidity on Uniswap, but what they needed to do was incentivize like people using it as their go-to form of US dollar stables, right? Um, and so curve itself isn't enough if we're trying to like launch a new stable coin. Um, and I, I think that like, it's just so much less integrated into Uniswap that to me, it, it just feels like, there's no reason for this thing to exist other than historical reasons. Yeah. Which I guess can take you far. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's a whales protocol, right? Like it, it yeah. genuinely does provide you with like very low slippage on like massive, massive trades. Um, and when you see that like the protocol is in danger, uh, who do you see stepping in to like defend the curve price? Also whales, right? Um, so, you know, it, it might just be like enough of like a tight knit boys club at this point that like everyone just agrees the curve is going to kind of survive. Um, so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to point to a, a certain date when everything is going to like collapse for the curve token. Right. Um, I, th- I think it'll be around for a while. Hmm. Wow. What an interesting, uh, interesting episode, you know, it's like both very bearish, but it'll be around for a while. Maybe the price goes up. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's just... nothing, there's nothing any of us can do. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. What's funny, I guess we'll close on this, like all this stuff, right? Like the last few weeks, like people were very concerned about all these liquidations that could happen. Like, on the curve founders loans and uh a bunch of whales came in and stepped up and bought the curve from him otc um or like bought a bunch of like locked curve i think from him otc at a massive massive discount and so yeah like the whales are in control of this um and they want to see this keep going and um this is decentralized finance baby 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely the sheer opposite of meme coins, right? Where it's just like the people that are involved with Trading Curve are just whales, right? Mm. Um, and the people that are involved in Trading Pepe are, are generally not. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's It's just such a weird thing to think about. But yeah, yeah, this is the world we live in. This is the life we've chosen. And uh, yeah, I don't think any of us would have it any other way. So <laughs> there it is. All right, Matt, you got anything else? No, uh, bullish curve. <laughs> bullish curve and very <laughs> bearish curve. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, it's thanks so, for listening. It's so bad, yeah. but it's, it's not going away. <laughs> uh, wow. So many things in life. Uh <laughs> uh, automobile fucking <laughs> oh, man. yeah maybe that's that's our next episode it's so bad but it's just not going away <laughs> uh, all right this has been a deep dive on curve We'll be back later this week with uh, a recap of everything that's happened. Join us in a few days, and until then, stay decent. Uh, none of this was financial advice, legal advice, investment advice, or any other kind of advice. Uh, if you're looking for advice, you are definitely in the wrong place. Uh, until next time, stay decent. Stay decent.